You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Does God hate the Argos, and is it Brandon Banks' fault? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey yeah. Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it in! And it's over! Ready, set, hook! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra, Brazilian Thai, stuck working somewhere in BC. So joining the show this week, I think maybe for the first time since the pandemic, if I remember correctly, Joe Pritchard from the Rouge, White and Blue CFL podcast, a friend of the show, has co-hosted before. Joe, how you doing? Oh, it's been it's been good in my neck of the woods lately. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been here, so I'm glad to be back. Yeah, awesome to have you. So Michael Walker sent the two and out an email uh, after week one. Uh, <laughs> it's usually addressed to Ty, but we're going to go through it here to open up the show. We'll do it together. He presents a question regarding each team. A lot of them are... They're pretty fun. <laughs> Question number one. Should the CFL just waive the admission requirements and induct Nathan Rourke directly into the Hall of Fame? I say yes. <laughs> well, it's been four. It's been what? Four weeks now. Yeah. And I don't see any reason why not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At what point does Lewis Ward declare himself too good for the Red Blacks and offer to fight anyone who says different? Okay, that's something I'd love to see. Lewis Ward fighting like Sean Oakman or something. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I pick against Louie. <laughs> that's true. It's not the size of the fight in the dog, right? And hey, he did miss an extra point last week if I'm remembering correctly, which <laughs> also happened in the last game of week 4. He says, uh, does, since Trey Ford won his first start, will Chris Jones now trade Nick Arbuckle back to the Argos for an SJ Green jersey and the rights to Tobin Rote? <laughs> he forgot the kicker, but otherwise, yes, that's a good trade, right? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> what are the chances that Orlando Steinauer will wake up and realize it's all just a dream? Pretty good, I would say. Maybe call it a nightmare at this point. <laughs> would now I gotta Google this. What's CRISPR technology? K R I S P R technology. I gotta look this up. <laughs> CRISPR therapeutics. CRISPR tech. Oh, it's gene editing. <laughs> This guy is crazy. I'm here for it. Allow the Montreal Alouettes to genetically engineer one consistently effective QB. I think his name's Anthony Calvillo and he's on the sideline. (laughs) Just wrong technology. You need some uh, anti-aging technology there. There we go. It's not really about the riders, but didn't Ty think Al Bradbury did an outstanding job on Saturday? I actually think he did. I... Kudos to Bradbury. 
Does, well, when there's penalty, when the, when when players are committing penalties every play, what do you expect the officials to do? See, I like that. Does God hate the Argos, and is it Brandon Banks' fault? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and then that's just unnatural. It doesn't belong in those colors. So <laughs> this one's for you, Joe. Are the Bombers just messing with us now? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. <laughs> but really, how how much can you complain when they're 4-0? That's exactly it. And this episode of 2 and Out is brought to you by Park Power. In Alberta, it's easy to switch. You get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. So if you want to switch, nothing changes about the delivery of these utilities to your home or business. And if you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms before leaving. If you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. You as the consumer have the choice of who to pay your bills to, why not choose your friendly local utilities provider? Learn more at parkpower.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. Okay, there are some news notes that are happening here. Toronto, Hamilton, Montreal are all on by. And quick note on uh, Hamilton, Danny McManus going to be joining the Wall of Honor later this season. Congratulations to him, 99 Grey Cup champion with the Ticats. But I think the big news is coming out of Montreal. Kahari Jones out as the head coach. Baron Miles out as the defensive coordinator. In comes Danny Machocha doing the dual role in Montreal now. And Noel Thorpe back as D.C. Of the Alouettes. I think this was probably something that we could have seen coming. Kahari Jones coming into the season with no contract into next year. And he wasn't Machocha's guy. It's... I don't think you'll find people around the CFL saying anything bad about Kahari Jones. This is just one of those things where, man, it's the crappy business of pro football. It sure is. And we recorded Rouge, White and Blue on Tuesday night and for release on Thursday morning. So we got caught in the lovely podcast game of talking about news before it happens. But I did predict that if they were going to make a move anytime soon, it was going to be this week because of the bye week. Mm -hmm. I still think it's a terrible move. But it was also it was also in the cards the moment Machocha was hired as GM, right? So probably it was at that point it, that at that point he wasn't Danny's guy. Any excuse to 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 move on from him was gonna was gonna be enough, and one and three is enough. Uh, so at least Montreal didn't wait until after the bye after another game. There's two weeks now for Machocha and Thorpe to get in there, get their systems in place. It's not a perfect solution, and it's never going to be a perfect solution when you uh, go from a coach that's established himself throughout the offseason, set their training camp, set their set their package in place. You're never going to be able to put in a brand new thing going forward, but at least they gave themselves an extra week to at least start. It would have been really interesting if uh, the Owls got off to a great start to the year. What would have uh, Machocha have done? Uh, <laughs> it would have probably put him in a little bit of a pickle, but I think the quarterbacking situation didn't help. The management of that, 
uh, happening. And then uh, if they would have won in Saskatchewan, probably would have bought him, I don't know, a few more weeks on the job. But I don't think we need to worry about Kahari Jones too much. He's a great guy, and he's going to land on his feet somewhere soon, if not before the end of this year, but definitely sometime next year. And he's a guy that kind of fell into the head coaching position. 2019, Mike Sherman gets cut in the middle of training camp, and then Kahari just falls in. Nobody really expected it. And then I think that was the charm of the Alouettes in 2019. No real pressure on Kahari, no real pressure on Vernon Adams, and they were one of the most exciting teams to watch that year. And I, I could, you could probably say the same about Baron Miles. I think this guy's got a future coaching in the CFL as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There. The next CFL team that needs to make a change at head coach has got a ready made solution right in front of them between between Jones on Jones and his and his offense, Miles and his defense. It's it's going to be a plug and play. So whoever's next, could it be Ottawa, possibly? Maybe they maybe they go right. Maybe they go right to there. And who's going to know who's going to know? the East better than somebody that's been coaching against these last few years. And Ottawa has, they, they came into the season with a lot of hype. So how and many, also a brutal beginning schedule. Let's yeah. That. It, it, that was tough. Absolutely. And I think <laughs> the, the, the East are losing just in, in strange ways. Like they're, <laughs> they're, it's not like they're getting absolutely crushed. I know Toronto did by the Lions, but, uh, and Saskatchewan pulled away against Montreal, but they're not all just getting demolished, uh, every single game out there. But at some point, I think Lapo's probably going to be feeling the heat sometime soon in Ottawa yes, because, as well. Because Ottawa made a GM change this offseason. Same too. deal. Same deal. But I just get the impression that uh, Burke is going to take more time on things. He's not going to rush into this. He's going to see how Paul Lapolis works within the system that he that Sean Burke is bringing along. How, how it all meshes. He's not going to make a quick decision because John Burke is not going to hop into the head coaching job himself and try to figure it yeah, out. Yeah. So I, I think Lapo's got some more time, but I, I don't think he should get comfortable either. I like this thread from Jeff Hamilton on, on Twitter. And he kind of mentioned about the coaches wearing multiple hats in the CFL. And we've seen it for a long time, but right now, after, well, I guess you can continue to throw Montreal in that situation because Machocha's GM and head coach. Toronto, head coach and OC in Dinwiddie. Ottawa, head coach, OC in Lapo. Hamilton, he's the president of football ops and head coach. Orlando Steinauer. Chris Jones wears all the hats. And then all those teams are struggling. Rick Campbell drops the DC title, gives it to Ryan Phillips. Look at how the Lions are doing. And then look at Mike O'Shea, Dave Dickinson, and Craig Dickinson. The Bombers, Stamps, and Riders have been the strongest teams over the past couple seasons. Is that a coincidence? I'm not so sure. It's a lot easier to be the head coach and do your head coaching thing 
when you don't also have to be doing something else like calling plays it's yeah it's gonna make being in the game situation instead of having to scramble to call the next play um it's gonna it's it helps you stay in the game situation make the right decisions late in games timeouts and or overall strategies rather than having to sit there and drill into the details. I don't think it's a good idea for a head coach to be a coordinator at this point. Now I got to mention what happened in Toronto here. Remember that whole situation during the East final last year where Argo fan or the Argo players were fighting Ticat fans at BMO field. Chris Edwards of the Argos was suspended for six games. It's now been reduced to three games so he's done his suspension and the league and the players association have agreed to a new code of conduct for players and fans as a part of their new cba i have no clue how they're going to enforce this i i feel like this has been in the stadium rule book for years and years and years although at some past games like a labor day classic a banjo bowl or a stamps riders game it's almost like these altercations are encouraged among fans anyway <laughs> yeah it can get it can get pretty hairy on rivalry day that's for sure it absolutely can but the more we can do to keep that between fans instead of players and fans that's probably positive i'm not sure how they're gonna enforce this going forward though no but it does put it on paper that this is yeah, the expectation. And that's true. the rules that they laid out uh, can be distilled into a couple of very simple statements. One, don't be a jerk. Two, don't be a jerk. And three, don't be a jerk. So if you're a fan and you could follow those three rules, you're okay. Hey, I, I think <laughs> we can apply that to everyday life. <laughs> Yeah, it gets kind of rough out there, too, doesn't it? Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, week four winners, BC, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. I think three of those games, kind of old news by now, but we'll talk about the Monday night game, which apparently was a rating success for TSN. Over half a million people ended up watching that, so I don't know if Monday night football is going to be a thing going forward for the CFL now, but the Bombers getting a 23-22 lead at BMO Field. Bombers off to a 17-0 lead here before the Argos started chipping away and chipping away. And it started, I think, with maybe the most controversial touchdown we will see in the CFL this season. Demario Houston appeared to maybe have an interception for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but Brandon Banks, as it was ruled on the field before Houston was down, the command center ruled he never had control of the ball. They ruled the ball never touched the ground. And Brandon Banks snatched it from Houston, making it a Toronto touchdown. This play has been talked about, I think, all week long. It'll be talked about for a while, even though the Bombers ended up winning anyway. But as a Bomber fan, how did you see the play, Joe? Actually, I agreed with the officials once I saw it. Yeah. Uh, this this simplest thing to do in looking at a play like that is did he catch did he catch it and by that i mean 
if there was nobody else around and this would have happened to him, would the officials have given him a catch? Houston hits the ground, the ball pops out. That right. wouldn't have been a catch if he was alone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the fact that Brandon Banks was touching him while that was happening has no effect. Now, yeah. if he catches the ball, rolls over three or four times, Banks then yanks the ball out, that's something different. But he didn't survive contact with the ground. The ball pops loose. At that point, it's a fair, it's it's uh it's available for somebody else to catch or to hit the ground for an incompletion. You take you take Banks out of that play. And you don't give Houston that catch. So with Banks involved, how do you do how do you give him the catch then? It's pretty remarkable that Toronto ended up getting back into the game anyway, considering that they were arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> the, there was a turnover deep in Winnipeg's end. I think the the ball ends up going off Brandon Banks and it goes off of Brandon Banks and into a bomber's hands pretty much reversing what had happened the previous the, yeah. previ- the previous time yeah so it's another thing for bomb it's another way for bombers fans to go okay those kind of even themselves out didn't they right exactly and then i mean the tv tsn was trying to pay attention to what was happening on the sideline between plays <laughs> and I heard hearsay on Twitter that there were punches thrown, not all to do with Brandon Banks. Maybe he started it. I don't know. But Trevon Tate of uh, the Argos getting into it with Darius Bladek. It looked like the whole team really just wasn't getting along. And when Pinball Clemens comes down from the press box and is giving everybody the stern talking to, and he's not smiling... You know it's a serious problem in Toronto. The biggest smile in Canada, Pinball Clemens, was not a happy camper when that was going on. No, that's that's a pretty clear sign that you crossed <laughs> the line when you have Pinball looking upset at you. Exactly, exactly. And it all came down to the very, very end. Uh, Andrew Harris was running wild on on the Bombers. He was running like... Uh, he was angry at them for <laughs> not bringing him back this season. And of course he was. And he was just chipping away and he was playing physical. And they gave him the ball 22 times. He had five yards of carry, 111 yards on that bomber rush defense. And they get the touchdown and they're down by one. And I just noticed this today. Macbeth and Harris are signaling to the bench. Two points, two points. They put out the kicker to tie the game. Boris Beatty misses it. <laughs> and they end up losing 23-22. Hey, the Argos won when Montreal missed a, <laughs> missed a kick, a very easy kick just a few weeks ago. So I guess the football universe is balancing all over the place during this game. Just like they balance the two banks plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're where they belong at this point. They've The weird bounces have evened out for them so far. Would you have gone for two? I can't yeah. say that I would have. You would yeah, have? Absolutely. You're the you're the home team. You've got momentum on your side. You've been moving the ball. They haven't been able to slow you down in the last little while. And it's also the champs. Are you sure you want to yeah. go head to head with them in the in overtime? You want to you want to say, okay, we've tied you in the in the game in in the game, and we've been doing well. 
but let's go do another round of this and see how we come out. Or do you want to put it down to one play where you have the ball, you have the momentum, and you have a chance to walk walk away with a win? That's where I'm at. I, I would have I would have in that situation I'm going for two. Harris was getting five yards of carry. Uh we saw how Zach Caleros answers when the game gets tough during the Grey Cup last year in overtime. Uh I don't know if Harris would have been stopped behind the goal line. He was No, but that's your best foot forward. And yeah. Maybe you don't give it to Harris. Maybe you play play fake off of that and you've got something. Yeah. Because yeah. you know the Bombers are looking for Harris in that situation, right? <laughs> Absolutely. They had options, but <laughs> missing the kick was definitely not in the plans. No, that was that, that was that was supposed to be the uh, easy way out. And exactly. It out not to be. Now, Thursday night football this week, the Stampeders are in Edmonton. The Stamps are currently three-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 51-and-a-half. Now, the Elks coming off a win in Hamilton last week, which was surprising to many people. Trey Ford getting the start, the first Canadian quarterback to start for the Elks since the late 60s, 1968. But here we go. The Stamps are coming off the bye. They're 18-2 and off the bye since 2008. And is it really a road game? they got to drive three hours or fly 45 minutes to Edmonton. So uh, it's, it, it's a pretty good situation, and the odds are stacked in Calgary's favor right now. I'd have to agree. Uh, Calgary has veteran players, veteran coaching staff. They're not going to be fooled by a young rookie quarterback. As much as Trey Ford's got a lot of tools, he's he's also going to have a lot to learn. And I hope Edmonton gives him the time to do that. I hope they let him play, let him make mistakes. Get behind him and see what they have in him. But in start number two against a veteran Calgary team, I'm not going to I'm not going to guess he's going to have a whole lot of success. How about that? You know what? I was thinking about the the ripple effects that this Trey Ford could have on the CFL. I, I think a lot of times when it comes to the draft, like if you look at the NFL, a rookie quarterback can get drafted in the first round and he could be starting to start the next season or a few weeks in he takes over and we're off to the races here that doesn't happen in the CFL so the fact we've had a first round draft pick start a game this early in the season win a game on the road I think that could do wonders for getting people to pay attention to the draft I I think this is this is such a good story all the all around I and he's an incredible athlete we saw with his his legs using them against Hamilton Trey Ford can move but and it's amazing how few teams have quarterbacks that that have that extra dimension of being able to run the ball. It's true. Uh, the CFL I grew up watching in the 90s. That's what it was all about. That's what it was all about. You get your quarterback out of the pocket, you stretch the defense, you make them commit to either the run or the pass, and then you kill them the other way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it almost feels like coaches have gotten so conservative, they don't really want any sort of deviation from the grand master plan. So that kind of quarterback hasn't been, hasn't been in style which oddly enough 
it's becoming more in style in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think fans would rather watch a guy pass for 180 yards, but r- run for 75 and keep plays alive. And if that's, of course, you'd like to have him throw for 300 and run for 80 or whatever. Oh, of course, but, <laughs> but that's but stretch the field. That's what. Yeah. That's what this whole. That's what the whole set of rule changes over the yeah. offseason was there to do: is to make the field feel bigger again. Yeah, stretch that field. Use all the all all of what you got. Instead, instead of just the 10 yards downfield and the 30 yards on either side of the ball, stretch yeah. that field out, make the defense cover the whole thing, and they won't be able to. It's a big uh, philosophy thing, I think, with the CFL. I think just in general, we haven't seen much offensive innovation over the last little while, and they've uh, started to use some of that CFL stuff in the NFL. You're right, but... Go back to what made the CFL what it was and what it is. And Trey Ford, I think, can do that. But you're right. He didn't stretch the field last week against Hamilton. He only attempted five passes over 10 yards, one over 20. So if he's going to keep it sort of in that box uh, against Calgary, I don't see that working with their defensive line, with their linebackers. I that same game plan, I don't see it working against the Stampeders. No, it might be a struggle against a team, a team as sharp and as solid as Calgary is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do want to mention this about Calgary. They get their punter Cody Grace back. I think it'll be big for their special teams. They had the global player, Jimmy Smith, who they acquired from the Riders, but have now traded him back back to the riders <laughs> so they 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 trade their seventh round pick to the riders and now he's back for like i don't know if the dickinson boys sat down and i know huff and o'day are the gms there they said hey we need a punter for about a month can you help us out here and we'll trade him back apparently a part of the deal was that Jimmy Smith would go back to the Riders. This is just an incredible thing that you probably only see in the CFL. But the fact that they're helping out a Western rival, I think that's what makes it <laughs> remarkable to me. That's the crazy part of it. But yeah. it, it, that wasn't a bad price for a rental, I have to say. No. <laughs> hey, and they're 3-0. and So I, I guess it got them through somebody that could actually kick the ball here. Now... The, the injury reports and the depth charts have been released for this game. Richie Sindani won't be playing for the Stamps, but the rookie, Jalen Philpot, listed as the field side wide receiver. If there still is a field side with these uh, new hash mark changes this season, I, I am confident in thinking that the Stamps are going to do their damnedest not to get off to a double-digit deficit like they have in all three games so far this year. <laughs> no, I, I think they're going to look to improve on that. Yeah, yeah. I, that that was probably the, the big focus uh, over the bye week. In Edmonton, they're on a nine-game losing skid right now. Not ideal. They're going to want that win at Commonwealth Stadium. And for the rest of the season in Edmonton, of course, they've got 55,000 seats to play with. Free admission for kids 12 and under for the rest of the season. 
I love the changes that Victor Quee has made as president of the Edmonton Elks, and this is another one. Get the kids out to the field this summer, starting tonight, I guess, in Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium. As far as fantasy goes, they have listed Sherman Beatty starting as the Elks running back, but last week eh, didn't really get all that many carries. I'm starting to get intrigued by Kyle Oxley. He's on the roster as a quarterback, but he had five carries, a rushing touchdown last week. He gets targeted in the passing game. This guy's the prototypical athlete that Chris Jones just loves to have on his team. Yeah, it reminds me going back a few years to Jordan Lynch being listed as a third quarterback, but yeah. basically performing as a fullback. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If there's any, if there's any way to get extra value out of a player, Chris Jones is going to find it. Yep, he's absolutely going to do that. Uh, the Elks, I think, a key for them is they need to limit the run. They've been giving up the most rush yards so far this season in the CFL. Uh, Kadeem Carey had 91 yards and a touchdown when these two teams played at McMahon Stadium a few weeks ago. Uh, you don't want that guy to be running downhill at you, and you don't want Bo Mitchell to be throwing all over you like he did in the second half during that game in Calgary. It, it's it's fun to watch. A funny fact, the NHL schedule was released today. The Stamps and the Elks play more in the regular season than the Flames and the Oilers, and that's an 82-game season. <laughs> I don't know how much of a hockey guy you are, Joe, but that schedule, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a wild quirk we're getting uh, this year. It, it just goes to show you times. that it doesn't matter what sports league it is, they're always going to do something stupid with the schedule, aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's go to Regina here. The Ottawa Red Blacks coming off the bye on the road in Saskatchewan where the Riders are six-point favorites. The over-under set at 45.5. But Ottawa always seems to give Saskatchewan trouble when they go to uh, Mosaic Stadium. They're 3-4 and four in their seven games since coming back to the CFL in Regina. There's been overtime games. There's been one-point games. They're just... All over the place. But the Red Blacks are coming off the bye. However, they're pretty banged up here. And Money Hunter is not going to play. Patrick Levels is not going to play. Left tackle, Yukombre Williams is out. It, it does appear that Randy Richards is going to be lining up against Pete Robertson, who's actually leading the CFL in sacks. The Riders lead the CFL in sacks. They also give up the most sacks, but we won't talk about that right now. Uh, somehow, the Red Blacks need to protect Jeremiah Mazzoli, and they need to finish drives because, Joe, that just has not been happening this year. That hasn't been happening for like five years for Ottawa, yeah, has it? It doesn't matter who's the quarterback, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And that's why Lewis Ward keeps getting those uh, amazing field goal numbers, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why he had the chance to build up the streak so quickly, too. Yeah, absolutely. The Red Blacks pass defense last in the CFL with 10.1 yards given up per attempt. So the, the Riders offense looked pretty good in the second half last week against Montreal. Speaking of... Montreal. The Riders have acquired Mar Mario Alford in a trade with the 
Alouettes. Chandler Worthy, I guess, has uh, solidified that returning gig as an Alouette a couple weeks in a row with a return touchdown. I think it's fair to say, just like the Stamps don't want to trail by double digits early in this one, what are the Riders got to do not to give up a special teams touchdown this week? <laughs> that might be the big question. Yeah. I know somebody uh, that shops at Save on Foods is cheering for the Riders to give up <laughs> some touchdowns and win uh, a million bucks and... I don't know. I, I was talking with Ty. I was like, do we have to keep picking the returners in fantasy that are going against Saskatchewan's? It would have worked the last couple of weeks. Well, it's also Chandler Worthy and Chandler Worthy the last couple of weeks. So that's also, it might just, it might not be the riders in particular. It might just be Chandler Worthy is pretty darn good. Yeah, he is pretty darn good. And it's, it's actually wild that, or the way he has bounced around the CFL over the last few years I always thought that he didn't get the right opportunity, and now he's been given it in Montreal, and he's he's running with it quite literally uh, right now. And I think the Mario Alfred acquisition, as long as he's healthy, is pretty good for Saskatchewan because I don't know if you want your starting running back returning kicks and taking a pounding on the offense as well. So maybe that will allow them to take some punishment off of Jamal Morrow's shoulders. Yeah, they can use them a little bit more right off the bat on offense instead of, you know, it's probably not in the offensive coordinator's mind. Oh, he just returned a kick. Maybe let's not get yeah. the ball, but it may slow him down as the game goes on, taking those few extra hits from the kick returning game. So better, better off to leave him where, where he, belongs on offense and if you got somebody else that can do the returning let him take care of that keen schaefer baker leads the riders with 27 targets of course shaq evans remains out of this game duke williams is questionable and i know a lot of people spent a lot of money on duke williams last week in their fantasy lineup and he came away with the big old goose egg uh, there were a couple deep balls that he had hands on. Tough plays. I, I wouldn't have made them, <laughs> so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna criticize him there. But I think he's got. He's got a what an ankle injury going on, or he hurt his arm in that. He's pretty banged up right now. So, is Keen Schaefer Baker going to be the the focus of that offense this week in Regina? Well, we've seen his fantasy value skyrocket the last few weeks. That's for sure. That's true. I, I was using him early in the season as my cheap as my cheap receiver, and now I can't quite say that anymore. Yep, he's uh, six thousand bucks. Uh, so if you're going to be having him in your lineup, you're expecting number one receiver production now from the Riders. So taking away another big target from Cody Fajardo, I, I know the Red Blacks' pass defense has been. They've been giving up yards so far this season, but the Riders losing some sorely needed experience, I think, in the receiving core. And uh, I, I think Schaefer Baker's a playmaker, and he might have a big week this week against Ottawa with uh, that Mosaic Stadium crowd behind him. Have you been to the stadium, Joe? I have not been to the new stadium, uh, the Last time I was in Regina, it was still Taylor Field. So, was it a Labor Day game? It was. I went to three Labor Days in a row in the mid 2000s <laughs> before 
I decided maybe I want to go to a game that the Bombers could win. Before realizing I'm tired of being a part of this streak. <laughs> now, since the new stadium's opened, it seems like uh, anybody can win. Uh, if it's the playoffs, it looks like it'll be Winnipeg, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you're hoping that streak will continue this November. Oh, of course. And if it happens, I might have to make my way up there. <laughs> Absolutely. Would love to see you again. Hey, last great cup in Regina. It was uh, about minus 40 the day before the game and then plus two the day of the game. So <laughs> I, uh, I I hope we get that some nice weather for the game this time around as well. As for the riders, Nick Marshall limited in practice as well. Already mentioned Duke Williams. So they're not the healthiest team going into this week as well. It'll be the intriguing matchup in Regina, but the most intriguing matchup of the week and the most hyped game this point in the season, actually this July is going to have some great football with the Bombers and the Stamps playing a couple times and then the Bombers and the Lions this Saturday in Vancouver. Now, the, the Bombers are actually coming into this game as the underdog. I, I can't tell you the last time the Bombers came into a CFL game as an underdog. I feel like it's probably been since 2019, Joe. <laughs> it might very well have been. I don't, I don't remember the Lions from last year, but th- there were very many that were against the Bombers, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, the uh, uh, Lions, three-and-a-half-point favorites currently, the over-under at 48 But, again, the schedule kind of working against Winnipeg. They're on a short week, traveling across the country, going to the West Coast. The the deck isn't stacked in their favor, but at at the same note, the BC Lions traveled across country on a short week, went to Ottawa, and won. <laughs> right. So they did it's have doable. Their, they did have their struggles in that one, and they showed they that they were humans instead of football machines. That's true. But, yeah, a short week is never going to be good for anybody. Uh, the possible good news for Winnipeg is it's not a 9 o'clock central start. It is a 6 o'clock central start as it's an afternoon game in Vancouver. A little bit less time to recover, but what's three hours at that point? Yeah. At least at that point, your body's thinking this is time for football instead of it's, it's time to go to bed. Yeah, that's true. When Toronto went to Vancouver, it was a late game for them, and ooh, it did not. And they slept through the second half, <laughs> yeah. just like I did. <laughs> Actually, no, I made it most of the way, and before it was like thirty-seven to three. Okay, I, I think this lead is safe. Good night. <laughs> yeah, I'm done now. How does Winnipeg get the run game going, Joe? I I feel like that is something that they really need to have going. Uh, That's that's the million-dollar question. They they abandoned the run game against Toronto. They they had a small amount of a run game. It was all east to west. It was a lot of the short dump passes in the flat were probably considered part of their run package, too. They didn't go downfield a whole lot. They kept trying to go east-west to avoid Toronto's line, which is pretty darn good. And the Winnipeg offensive line is banged up, so they didn't want to make that a head-to-head matchup. Yeah. I don't know what they do this this week, but they've established that going east and west isn't, especially lacking Nick Dembski, 
doesn't quite have that much doesn't really have that much of a punch either so they're gonna have to find something that works or a mix that works because whatever they tried so far just hasn't been there it's a good point on the offensive line as well we saw in toronto they got a short practice week here jamarcus hardrick ended up being down a couple times during that game and if you're out with you're without the big man this week we they haven't practiced yet he might not practice at all but we've seen the bombers give their veterans days off and still let them play so you just have to keep an eye on the on the depth charts before coming in here uh, do you think they're going to start getting greg mccray more involved in the running game he, he had a few carries against toronto a newer addition at running back uh for the bombers i i think it would involve or have to involve a ratio flip so that's probably a challenge yeah, they were running him from the slot, though, too, at times. Oh, yeah, okay. They were yeah. playing him in slot and running him across the field on, on sweeps from the from the right slot side to the left, all the way around to the left, because they were trying to do anything they could not to challenge the interior of that line. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, they're pretty tough in Toronto. Uh, Dalton Schoen is getting 18.4 yards a catch, seven targets on Monday in Dembski's absence. He's still 2,500 on CFL Fantasy. Uh, Darvin Adams leaving uh, the team this year. Kenny Lawler getting the big money in Edmonton. Uh, I don't think Rashid Bailey has really lived up to some of the off-season hype that some in Winnipeg had placed on him. I think yeah, Dalton, I don't. I don't remember if he even had a catch on Monday yeah. night. He might have had one or two. He wasn't. He wasn't prominent on the TV screen for sure. Would have had the touchdown in any other CFL stadium. The uh, the short end zone in BMO uh, ended up uh, taking that play away from Bailey. A pretty good effort from him. But Dalton Schoen, I think it's probably been a pleasant surprise for the Bomber offense. Uh, he has. It's nice to have him in there. It, it Just nice to have production from a whole bunch of different bodies instead of having to rely on one, because if you start doing that, then the injury bug could cripple your offense pretty quickly. So they've been able to spread the ball around Ellingson and Kalaros are getting along really well. considering they, they haven't been teammates in forever. It looks like they were teammates last year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just having, having Ellingson around has been help, helpful for Kalaros. Although he didn't go that way that much on Monday night either. They really had a very, very odd game plan. I have not seen anything like that out of Winnipeg in a long time. I don't know how well it's it's going to be all about stopping the Lions offense. That like that's what it comes down to. Uh without Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead hasn't practiced this week. He's got the ankle injury. But they they spread the ball around so much in BC. Like Nathan Rourke is throwing to, you know, seven different targets within the first two series of a game. James Butler is rolling. Dominic Rimes is rolling. Keon Hatcher had a massive game last week. They got Josh Pearson into the lineup now. It's going to be all about stopping the Lions, and the Bomber defense has the ability to do it. They certainly do. Uh, yeah. They have the ability to do it. I do have two concerns as a Bomber fan. One is that Kyrie Wilson will not be playing and possibly for a very, very long time. He had a non-contact injury in Toronto, and those are yeah. never good. So we're talking being down two of your three starting linebackers going into camp 
done for extended period, if not the entire season. Adam Beghill can make up for a lot of that, but maybe not all of it because Kyrie Wilson's quietly been one of the best linebackers in the CFL the past couple of years on the weak side. Uh, the other thing is Winnipeg likes to gamble. They like to go for the big play on defense. They do. If it works, they're going to be able to shut BC down. If it, if, but if they miss one or two of those gambles, that could turn into seven or 14 points really, really quickly. And the Bombers offense doesn't have the firepower this year to make up that kind of a deficit. They're pretty smart. I uh, I noticed it last week where early in the game, Brandon Banks had a had a drop on an easy play covered by Winston Rose. The very next play, Toronto tried the exact same play. Winston Rose jumps the route. It's an interception. So uh, they're a very cerebral group. They're so quick to the ball, too. But, yeah, they are banged up a little bit. They're going to have their hands full with Nathan Rourke. Uh, remember his last game against Ottawa? It's like they couldn't tackle. They, they, they couldn't hit him. And I don't think we'll see that same problem with Winnipeg. I don't think so, but it's a question of are they going to catch him? Uh, they do like <laughs> yeah. to they do like to send Adam Big Hill on blitzes and drop him back into coverage at various times. Brooke uh, is a quarterback that you have to keep an eye on in the backfield because if he gets out, yeah. he's going to cause some damage. So it's going to be interesting to see how they plan for that. Do they or do they use Big Hill to follow him and take away some of Big Hill's advantages yeah. as a defender? Yeah, uh, I think uh, if Lucky Whitehead misses this game, completely different skill sets here. I wonder if the Lions will throw to Javon Katoy a little bit more. Uh, six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds. Obviously, uh, a lot heavier. I think he's got fifty three pounds on Whitehead, and he's got like seven inches. So they're a completely different player. But uh, Katoy, I think he could be in line for some more work. And I, I, the Bombers are going to have their hands full with keeping uh, Keon Hatcher in check. And so far this season, Nathan Rourke has made just perfect throws that honestly, they look like you can't defend them. <laughs> but if anybody can, it would be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who have been the best defensive team in the CFL over the past few seasons. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a game that you're yeah. going to want to. You're going to want to sit down and watch this one. Yeah, this is, this and you're going to know pretty football. early what kind of a game it's going to be. I think so. I think so. Zach Kalaros is the MOP. He he's the highest paid player in the CFL. You think he wants to get outshined by uh, the young gunslinger in Vancouver? Nope he's got something to he's got something to prove again. I think so, so. Look out. I think so as well. There's going to be one less undefeated team this weekend, unless there's a tie, which, <laughs> hey, I, I, I wouldn't put that past these two teams either. Uh, let's talk about our fantasy lineups here. The CFL podcast Fantasy League. Me, Ty had victories last week. Ty was by default. I beat Andrew of the Turf District by, I don't know, 2.7 points or something like that. I, I have this streak. 
of uh, having an injured player or something in my lineup. Last week, I had Justin Hardy of the Red Blacks. As I'm driving to work, he gets scratched with the non-COVID illness. All right, so I'm stuck with a zero in my flex, but I still squeaked away with the win. Uh, this week, Ty is Trey from the Canadian Football Countdown. I have Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast. You have Zach from Bonfire Sports. What is your lineup looking like this week, Joe? So on Wednesday evening at 6.22 p.m. Central, the lineup looks like this. It has <laughs> yeah. changed twice since I said it last night. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the way it's looking net right now, it's I'm going to go with Bo at quarterback. Uh, I put Greg McCray in at running back because he's as cheap as it gets. Yeah. I don't like to spend overly spend on running backs, but I can at all help it. Uh, Kadeem Carey is my other running back, so I needed some, some coin for that. Um, Kamar Jordan, Keon Hatcher, and, and Dalton Schoen. For my three receivers, that third the flex is my third receiver. And I've got Calgary's defense. I think they can cause Trey Ford some headaches this week. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going with quarterback Cody Fajardo. Think he'll have another nice week this week. And much like you, I've noticed this year that it hasn't been worth spending any money on running back. Is Unless you have a big Jamal Morrow week, it seems like he's been the biggest performer, and Andrew Harris costs a lot of money as well. So I've made the decision this week to spend 5000 combined dollars on running back. Uh, last week, Ante Milanovic-Litre of the Elks started getting more carries, and it seemed like he was having success. And I know he's just the fullback, and I know it's a huge gamble, so I'm throwing him in my lineup, and I'm also taking Frankie Hickson of the Riders. They seem to put him in for a series here and there uh, to spell off Jamal Morrow, and he's getting like 10 yards of carry. So <laughs> those are my, uh, you know, prayers. <laughs> we'll see if anything happens there. My receivers, I am slightly more confident in. Keon Hatcher is my number one receiver this week. Keen Schaefer-Baker. Paired him up with Cody Fajardo and Kenny Lawler. Just the, the amount of targets he's getting in Edmonton. He had a touchdown last week against Hamilton. Uh, I'll throw him in there and see what he does against Calgary. Taking the Riders defense, 3700 bucks, Leading the league in sacks. Making noise all over the place. And I think they're going to give Jeremiah Mazzoli and the Red Blacks some trouble. That's my lineup and... I don't know how I feel about the running back situation now that I say it out loud, but <laughs> as long as they're on the roster, I might just leave it as it is. Do you know who you're picking to win the games, Joe? Yeah, I think I'm probably going to be alongside of what you're going to be calling here, but I've got Calgary, Saskatchewan, and BC this week. Yeah, me too. And I think uh, they're going to be some fun games to watch. Uh, this this week they they could all be uh, three close games. There could be a couple blowouts anyway. But the one I've got circled is Saturday night in Vancouver. Bombers and Lions. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you're calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them 
and for you. To learn more and to explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. I'm Travis Curra. Thank you so much to Joe Pritchard of the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast for coming on the show and filling in for Brazilian Ty. Hey, you got the goatee, so you already got more hair than uh, Ty does. So, <laughs> I, I, I've also learned to respect the Red Blacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Who else does he? Well, he, he doesn't like a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> the, the things that he does like is a lot smaller list than the things he does not like. But that's why we love him. He's one of a kind. <laughs> hey, uh, are you releasing episodes every Thursday with Rouge, White and Blue? How can we find you on Twitter and all the good stuff? Yeah, it's ten, it's tended to be a Thursday morning show as of late. Just we usually recording Tuesdays or Wednesday nights, so Thursday morning has just been kind of the, how, the way it's been working. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at RWB Podcast, uh, Apple Music uh, or Apple Podcast, Google Play, just about anywhere you could find the podcast. You could find Rouge White and Blue, uh, it, and you can also find me on Twitter at USFL. T-E-C-M-O, USFL Tecmo. Um, so any of those ways you'll find what you'll find what we're doing. And if you found two and out, uh, there's also plenty of other great shows on the ECF uh, on the Canadian Football Podcast Network that are all worth checking out. Hey, and you uh, talked to Ricky Ray back uh, earlier this offseason, I guess, uh, before everyone else. So it looks like you started the trend. <laughs> That's the first time in my life I've been called a trendsetter, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show this week, man. It was good to see your face and good to hear from you. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the Two and Out CFL podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Ty will be back, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.